0: Hey Heather, how
1: are you? I'm doing great, how are you doing?
0: good, what's going on? Not a whole lot. What's new?
1: Nothing. (laughs) You (laughs) shaved, you have no more facial hair.
0: You look like you you did 20, how old am I? 25 25 years ago. I'm going to be
1: 30 next week.
0: Oh well, you look like you did when you were 5.
1: Thanks. (laughs) <laughs> Carried it well You can see your big old
0: dimples And you mm. look like a child again So congratulations With my kid hair yeah. And my kid face Yeah that's what's new. what really what, what, what is new with you
1: uh, Since we last
0: spoke Since we last Were on the airwaves
1: I don't know I don't know what's new with me well, okay. I, We already talked about my Documentary
0: Last show we did Last show Yep
1: How's um, that going? Progress? There's progress I've already gotten hate mail so, well, so then doing you know really well. You are a I'm doing I'm doing pretty well. When people hate you, you're mm-hmm. successful. Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. And um, mute
0: your phone, please.
1: <laughs> I'm needed on the bridge. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry.
0: Okay. So so your so how about your Kay Hagen project? How is that going? Well,
1: that's my project that I got hate mail from. Oh. Yeah.
0: I thought you meant from your documentary.
1: Well, it's the same thing.
0: Right. I think of them as two separate. Oh. I, I was I was because you're thinking about to my ask page, about your Facebook page. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That page is going really well. Um. I they've noticed. Um, as well, that is exciting. they've noticed, and so have has so have the opponents, they have That's noticed. That's exciting. Yeah, because I good got because I got uh I got what's into a, a, I got into a big fight with someone on, over it. So yeah, good news. I mean, it's you know you're a success pushing people's buttons. It's true. It's what aren't? I do. Good. It's what I do. Pissing you, people off.
0: Aren't you going to ask me what's new with me? What's new with you? Nothing lies I colored my hair
1: lies and propaganda you did color your hair
0: I did it's a darker give it two weeks it'll turn red again okay which well, I won't like that but we'll see how it goes uh, my, yeah my hairdresser gave me some blue shampoo because I said I don't like this I don't like this red I don't want to be red I'm I'm not a redhead uh, and he says well I'll give you some of this blue shampoo and I was like what what are you talking about blue shampoo said, it's what we give the old ladies who have the silver hair and I said are you telling me you're turning me into a blue hair he says, no, no, no. It's so what we give the old ladies who have the silver hair or whatever because their hair turns yellow if they've got, like, white hair or whatever. So we give him this shampoo. It looks like ink. And he says, use this, and it'll it'll tone down the red. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm like, all right. So he comes out with this little paper or plastic cup of this purple, like, like, royal blue shampoo and I said okay so how often do I use this he goes once a week use this once a week does it stink no it smells really oh. good uh, it's like I don't know who the brand is but it's some fancy schmancy brand that he gave to me in a cup like a specimen cup he gives me the shampoo and he says you put this on your hair because it's kind of the same right anyway because it's kind of the same <laughs> yeah and so he says put this on your hair like once a week and it'll take down the, the red he goes but don't do it more than that and I said like, well what will happen if I do it more than that and he says it'll we have a peanut gallery in the in the studio in we'll the get to studio. them in a minute <laughs> and he says put this on your hair once a week wash it with the, wash it once a week with this and it'll ter- take down the red right if you use it more than that it'll turn your hair purple so i said well is that why is that why we call the old ladies blue hairs cuz it turns their hair blue he quickly corrected me on that. That's not it. But that's the only thing that's new with me. I'm going on vacation in two weeks. Why do you call them
1: old hair blue hair ladies? Because they dye their hair black and it turns blue, right?
0: No, 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 no. Because old ladies with who have gray hair or white hair, their hair has a blue tint to it. And I said, Well, why do they do that? He goes, That's a rinse. Well, why do they do that? And he goes, he told me the answer, but I forgot it. Um, I don't have the answer for you.
1: I just remember our guidance counselor in high school had like bluish, blackish hair.
0: I had a man. Who was your guidance counselor?
1: The secretary.
0: I don't remember her name, but I had that she died man, Dwayne. Some, she died? She
1: died. It's not funny. She died. She died.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't remember her. Anyway, this so... This is Stroud. Other... She died.
1: Yeah, two years. Ago. We had this conversation already. Okay, well. When she died. I don't remember yesterday. <laughs> okay.
0: But um, other than that, I'm going on vacation in two weeks, and Let's, when I'm on vacation, you're going to have some special guest host, right? Isn't Rick Gosling coming back?
1: Rick Gosling is coming. Is gonna is gonna guest host? Yes. 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 When, yes. I'm, when I'm away. So and um, and we have a huge show announcement, but not today.
0: Not today. <laughs> but not today. You have to listen next time. Yeah, That one, because that will big. be huge, especially for the locals here in North Carolina. That'll be big. Yeah. Kind of so big. So we should introduce our guests.
1: Yes, we should.
0: We have two guests. Um, some additional celebrity way distant, distant, distant relatives.
1: With light up lipstick.
0: They might be distant relatives. We have, you know, DNA bottle. proof pending. So our first guest is, uh, who are we going with? Houston? All right. This will be <laughs> Whitney Houston's Second cousin twice removed on her mother's side uh, maybe. Sister. (laughs) Whatever. Well it's
1: a good thing we're talking about drugs tonight then. (laughs) Megan
0: Megan Houston is joining us. Say hello, Megan. Hello. And then we also have our good friend Richard Stallone joining us.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Hello. How are you doing, Heather? I'm good. How are you? Great. Good to see you. Good to see you. (laughs)
0: And sound effects courtesy of I don't know who. Our audience. Uh, our, our studio, studio audience. audience over there. Our studio audience. Yeah. So we've got a pretty serious, even though we have a very jovial mood.
3: What the hell is, <laughs> what is going on? I'm
1: sorry. <laughs> sorry. Right, sorry. So that the was with. So, wait, wait. Back. That just, was an episode of uh, American Dad that was playing on my computer. I'm well, sorry. I hit the, the volume button. But before we talk about our serious subject, let's yeah. talk about our drink.
0: Oh, that is very important. Talk <clears throat> about your drink. Because this is our cocktail of the show, which we've gotten away from for a while. We've we been
1: haven't... drinking water because when we record our shows, we've had too many alcoholic and drinks can the can night before.
0: explain why this happens? Because I am usually the one who winds up completely plowed at our shows. And it's because... It, it,
1: Treat me like a curse and tell me... <laughs> I'll edit that out. <laughs> no, <laughs> so don't. no, you gotta leave that there. I can't. <laughs> it's gotta come out.
3: Okay, give me five seconds of silence
0: and then we'll, so that you know what to edit out. Let me just... Ex- how this happens that I always get plowed during these shows. So it's because Gabriel makes these cocktails that are lethal. And so before we, g- it's good, no, Megan. It's you don't not. know what you're talking about. Mm. So we will be drinking and carrying on and talking for like two hours before we actually start mm. recording. And then our recordings are like, you know, we Gabe does a fantastic job editing them, so they're very reasonable amount of time to listen to but they take a while we sometimes are recording for two three four hours depending on how silly we are and then we're drinking the whole time so apparently i'm a much lighter lightweight than i thought i was so that's why we always get wasted so we've been trying to abstain and take care of our livers for a little while so we haven't had a cocktail of the show but today (laughs) gabe has resurrected the idea so tell us what we're drinking.
1: We're drinking a stone cold Larceny because you know our favorite bourbon. Larceny is Larceny.
0: Actually, my favorite bourbon bourbon is Blanton's, but that's all right. Right, but we love Larceny. We love. We love, love Larceny. Larceny.
1: So it's a stone cold Larceny. It is two ounces of Larceny bourbon, one and a half. I made two. Uh, I really did like three ounces of bourbon. I, see, that's I knew you problem. didn't follow the recipe. Two ounces I said, of that's apple juice. Exactly really strong.
0: What and Gabe says I followed the recipe. No, you didn't.
1: Wait till you hear what our second hour guest has to say about the drinks around here.
0: Okay. <laughs> he thinks it's in the ice. Uh, so oh, right. Okay. So go on. What else?
1: So it's, uh, it's, it's the, the real recipe is two ounces of Larceny, one and a half ounces of uh, apple juice, and one and a half ounces of uh, ginger ale.
0: Um, for everyone's safety, I'm not drinking that tonight.
1: No, Heather's drinking wine.
0: And sparkling water. And
1: sparkling water.
0: Not in the same
1: class. <laughs> it's like Heather's having a white wine spritzer.
0: Yeah, kind of.
1: So Anyway, so let's, let's have let's a douche. Let's do a
0: douche. 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 That would be douche.
1: a douche. douche. Douche, douche.
0: This is a douche. douche. Uh, a douche out. Ooh, douche. To, to Rick and well, me, since they and, gave us a douche And everybody, out.
1: let's do a douche to our studio audience a, a over there. A douche
0: to our studio audience. Douche. 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 <laughs> 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 douche. So we do have in in spite oh, of our. Before you do
1: that, oh, I yes. also want to say <laughs> I want to say uh, a shout out to Rick and Brian for that uh, very personal just, and lovely douche. Did you douche not that hear me just a me.
0: moment ago? I said this is a douche out to Rick and B.
1: I did not. Ugh, don't like, listen to me. I, I had you tuned heard. you out already. I didn't
0: hear God. that either.
2: You didn't hear? You I heard, heard it, it right. I did hear it. Studio
0: audience to the left. Okay. In my left Thank you, studio audience member. She's the only one who listens to. me. Her
2: name is Pepper.
0: No.
1: No, never mind. You can't be Pepper.
0: Can't be Pepper.
1: We'll figure it out.
0: She'll be. Um, what's the name of the woman who used to be on the Love Boat? Koju What's her name? Charo. That's who Charo. she is. It's Charo.
1: Charo. She doesn't know who Charo is. <laughs> we'll Google it. She didn't later. know who George Michael was. She's what? not going to know who Charo is. Yes. Wait. Conversation what? for another day.
0: Yeah, we'll we'll tell you this later. Yeah, yeah. She's been educated. Okay, so now can we get to our topic? <laughs> yes, get to our topic. So in spite of our very jovial mood, we actually have a very serious topic that we wanted to talk about. Um, and um, I'll just say what it is, and then we'll turn it over to Gabe, since mm. I think it was you saw it on something, right? Yes, so, I'm going to pull that up right now. Okay, perfect. So we um, have some, our experts here tonight. So Megan and Richard, who are here joining us in the in the evening, this evening, um, are both RNs, right? You're both RNs, yes. right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Richard works in the pharmaceutical industry, and Megan works in the insurance industry, but they both have nursing experience. Um, so I, I, I don't know if I've ever said this on our show, but I actually also work in clinical research um, and <coughs> in my real life. So I, I don't know if I've ever said that. But anyway, so we decided that tonight we were going to talk about something pretty serious, um, which is the idea of the over-prescribing of Americans. Um, so Gabe, I know that you had heard a news story about this, if I'm not mistaken, right? And so we thought it would be a really good idea to get some people who actually are knee-deep in this, in, in our country's kind of, for lack of a better way to put it, prescribed drug industry and all, and all the things that um, it entails. And we have various levels of experience with it, from, from, from nursing to the creation to the research. Um, and then we I'm, I know that I do anyway have some some personal stories of um, people who I know very well who uh, I will not name <laughs> but who have been impacted by the I Omer. can hear you, I'm right here. It, nothing to do with you actually. Um, you don't even know these people uh, who have been impacted by some prescription drugs and and it really impacted them negatively in their in their lives so, uh, we have a few things to talk about, and and so it's kind of a serious topic. But I'm sure that there will be twists and turns of not seriousness because it's us. So, with that, we tried said, to get
1: Toronto Mayor Rob Ford on, but he, he wouldn't said come no. on. He said no.
0: He said no. He said he would if we could get Michelle Pfeiffer and not Michelle Pfeiffer's cousin, but we couldn't get Michelle to come. So, or or we couldn't get Whitney Houston, and we couldn't get um that's <laughs> clearly we I couldn't get Whitney, Whitney Houston. <laughs> not right? but he asked. <laughs>
2: <laughs> she <use> a <laughs> he door. asked. He asked if we could
0: get her. We said, "Uh, no." Where have you been? So, um,
1: so what I saw was yeah. there was a newscast on ABC News about uh, how many people were dying over with prescription drugs, and the number one was actually Xanax. Really? Was it was dying people from, are taking is? taking. Too many Xanax and it stops you from breathing. Is that right? Yes. I think that's what I read. Mm-hmm. Like, um, what's
0: the dose that you have to take?
1: What to I, saw on, I saw on the news that the Depends dose, on the, 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 the bottle that they were showing was two milligrams. Well, clearly. I don't know. Well, I take I, that I'm, every day. I've never taken Xanax, so I don't and know. That explains a lot. <laughs> Just, kidding.
0: <laughs> Just, kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. But what would be the dose that you'd have to take to stop breathing?
2: Oh, I would imagine that it's pretty a, high. A bottle? Probably, yeah.
3: Well, wouldn't that kill you? Not necessarily. It'll put you to sleep. Depends That's on if somebody, what if if somebody comes alcohol. along. Say, if you mix it with, with alcohol, you're, with you could. Or something. I mean, it depends on if somebody comes along and gets you. What does that mean? Because I've had patients that have overdosed on medications like that. And they've come in and some have died and some have not. It depends on how quickly you get taken P- care of. Pump your stomach. Oh. Narcan. What did they have
1: to do for that? You get Narcan. You
3: charcoal. Charcoal.
1: They turn you into a grill.
3: Yes, they make
0: hmm. you vomit. They give you oh. right, you drink the charcoal stuff, or they force it down they your throat with a tube and into
3: your stomach. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Hmm. Interesting.
0: So, what else did this report say? So, you mentioned Xanax.
1: So it was Xanax, and it was talking about how doctors are prescribing. Anybody can go in and get Xanax, and they will take it and they will uh, pop it. But it was there was a lot of talk about the how like regular. Like if you have a regular doctor, they're very like
0: a GP or a family doctor.
1: Yeah, um, primary care. Um, they they are they have stricter guidelines. But like all these little pop up urgency uh, like urgent cares, a, uh-huh. are where people are getting all their painkillers and stuff like that because the doctor they don't have a relationship with the patient Can I tell and the a story doctor about will that? write it. Yeah, go ahead.
0: Sorry, I don't mean to detract from this, but I never. Thought of that because I went to there's an urgent care right by my house that I went to um, fairly recently for a minor issue, and I went in saw them they were they were great it was it was fantastic service in and out no problem the interesting part was when I came to the point of getting my um, what I expected to be a prescription the the provider who I do not think was a doctor I think he was a PA because they never said. The doctor will be in. They said, the service provider will be in. But like, you thought he was hot. almost always he was PAs. Hot. Yeah. And I was like, I don't care if he's a PA because I've never even met my own doctor because all I ever see are the PAs.
1: I got a text message from Heather while she was sitting he on was the hot. table. He was hot. In he her was paper hot. gown. In her paper gown. He was hot. <laughs> he was married.
0: But he was hot. Anyway, so <clears throat> get to the point where I'm expecting to get a prescription written for me. And he says, have you ever taken... Whatever it was. And I was like, yeah, no problem. he's like, all right, so where should I call it in? And I told him what pharmacy I, I use. And he says, you know, I may have some samples in the back. I'll be right back. So he went to wherever he went, storeroom, whatever, brought me these two little bottles. I didn't pay for these meds at all. I mean, I paid my copay, and that was it. I didn't pay for the prescription. He gave me two prescriptions. I didn't pay for them. What was it? Really? An yeah. antibiotic. An antibiotic mm-hmm. and then something for pain um
1: heather had beautiful pee
0: it was very colorful Five, four, three, two, go ahead. <laughs> yeah so i didn't pay for any of these meds which i thought was interesting because i've never been in that situation before and i thought i guess anybody could come in here and say oh i have problem x and i could get some maybe i should go in for some xanax not that i need a xanax but
2: how long ago was that
0: um recently let me think Three, three four, weeks. Three, three, four weeks. Because ago? I
2: know most doctors' offices have changed that process now, and they have a pixel, a mm-hmm. machine that actually dispenses it. In it the may back have room been so that it, they keep Pixis. track of who a uh, The pixus. Yeah, <laughs> I Edith. saw that on
0: um, that show on Showtime <laughs> or What's an OmniCell. Called? Yeah, it's called, Nurse Jackie had a Nurse Pixis. Jackie but um, they've
2: done that in doctor's offices now because it used to be they just pull it off a shelf and give it to you but now well, because a lot of the times the it.
3: the well i don't pharmaceutical, pharmaceutical reps will drop off samples mm-hmm. and they'll give you the samples it was, i think from it was Cipro actually no,
0: it was a, it was cipro and i was like this is fine i'm happy if i don't have to go pay for it at the walgreens but i thought that was weird he just mm-hmm. gave it to me that was weird i totally interrupted you but why was it weird it was a weird experience for me not to have to pay for my prescription medication for my controlled substance.
1: <laughs> Are antibiotics controlled? No, substances? I mean, no I'm not. just being uh, silly, but. No, no, no. I mean, you, I mean, you got
3: the whole dose of Cipro. Yeah. The whole. Yes, the whole regimen. Ten regiment. days or however mm-hmm. many days you yeah, got.
0: Plus the whatever. I forget the, the medication for pain. I forget what that was.
3: It, no.
1: No, no good pain. No, 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 no,
0: no good pain. I do have another story about pain meds. We'll get to that later. I
1: can tell you a story about pain meds uh, because I know personally for myself how that works. Um,
0: But was that what you wanted to say about the show, about the news thing that you saw?
1: Well, yeah. I just wanted to talk about from an insider view from from nurses and and someone that works in the pharmaceutical company, someone that has background in research, research, uh, what they think, what they see from their side. You know, it's interesting to hear what people that work at the pharmaceutical companies, because most people blame the pharmaceutical yeah, companies for, for making drugs so readily available. So Which
0: I think is funny, but uh, we'll
1: so get to that. Uh, Richard, who has a background with pharmaceutical uh, companies,
2: uh, what do you think about that? Well, you know, I think it's all about the access to the drug. I I think blaming the phar- pharmaceutical company for having the drugs is probably not the right thing to do, because I can tell you, and Heather can vouch for me on this, when when someone develops, when a pharmaceutical company develops drugs, they certainly <laughs> don't set out to make a drug that someone would become addicted to. I would think mm-hmm. your food industry is probably more, you know, guilty, guilty of that. Of that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, but, you know, there are certain side effects. I think what Heather talked about going to the doctor, I think one of the things that to me is when people start going to different pharmacies. I I think it really lies in the pharmacist's hands at that point because they're the ones who actually hand the medication over. And I know from personal experience, my mother goes to the same pharmacy and he is very into what drug she's being prescribed. And he'll say, you can't take that. She's on blood thinners like Mm -hmm. you Mm wanted. And he's like, well, you can't take this because that's gonna affect that. So I think that's kind of the end road too over-prescribing. Um, so, you know, the pharmaceut- yeah. like I said, the pharmaceutical company doesn't set out to make drug to become addicted yeah. to. Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: and it's such an arduous process to get a drug approved. And I think, I know this is a little bit off the topic, but it's something that, it's just on my mind because I hear, you know, so many complaints, comments, whatever, about how the pharma companies are just out to make a buck. And maybe that's true to a degree, but I think what people don't realize is it takes what is it ten years 10 to, to get a drug years. to get a drug to market, and the the amount of research that these new drugs go through, or even drugs that are already existing but are are in invest under investigation for a new um, indication, it's a long it's a long, painful process, <clears throat> expensive process.
2: And not and if you <clears throat> think about how many drugs are developed, they, not at many the bench, of them get approved. Right, it's yeah. very few that ever make it all yeah. the way through.
0: In fact, we just. Um, at my company, we just uh, were working on a, on two sister studies. Um, they were actually for pain. Um, uh, the drug was, it, it was being introduced for a new uh, indication. So it's an epilepsy drug that's on the market, and it's being introduced. Uh, maybe it'll work for pain because some of the patients were reported decreased pain. So we were doing these two studies uh, side by side. Um, One was to measure the amount of of pain that the patients experienced or reduction of pain. And the other was to measure, um, sorry, it wasn't, they're not epilepsy, they're Parkinson's. um, It's a Parkinson's drug. Um, And so the other study was meant to measure the degree of apathy that these patients are experiencing in their life. Mm -hmm. Really unusual studies. But the point I'm getting at is we stopped the study because um, they determined that it, it wasn't, it wasn't the, the The protocol and the study that we were going after it wasn't the design wasn't quite right, so we decided all right let's let's change this up a little bit. well, we didn't decide it <laughs> right but um it was decided let's change this up a bit and see what else we can do with this and so i I think it's just important to for people to i mean we cannot explain the whole process here, mm-hmm. but I think it's important for people to realize that w- the reason that some of these drugs are so expensive is not just because the pharma company's trying to make a buck it's because they invest millions and millions of dollars. I mean you probably have a better idea of the figure yeah. than I do, but I know that some of the studies that I work on, one study alone can be thirteen million dollars. Just mm-hmm. for one study, and that study might last a year.
1: And, and then the drug do may do not even to get
2: twenty studies to right. get that drug approved. Exactly.
0: And then it may not even get approved. It may right. not get approved. Right. So yeah, sorry, a little bit of a tangent there, but no, I just, it's, it's, it's part of the it's part of the it's the, been part on of my thing. I, I was thinking about it in preparation for our show cause like there, it's such an intricate, intricate, intricate process. I right. only had one glass of wine too. Um, Two. No, I never even finished it. Oh. It's just a, sure. but.
1: But going back to what Richard said, where where you were talking about, it could stop with the pharmacist. I know that um, everybody knows that, that I uh, have a clotting disorder, and, and I'm treated for chronic pain, so I go through this process every month.
0: Do you think you're overprescribed?
1: No. Uh, at one point, I did think I was overprescribed uh, when I was part of the, and, and I don't mind calling it out, but when I was part of the UNC uh, pain program, they did overprescribe me. Uh, they, I was on oxycodone, oxycontin, and fentanyl patches. I have real issues all, with those two drugs. All yeah. at the same time. So um, I walked away from that program because you know, Scott and I decided that that was too much, too much. Yeah, that's, plus, a lot of, that's a lot. of drug. Plus, when I was wearing the fentanyl patch for a while, um, I was in the hospital, and that's when I coded. And we Tell had people just what that drug is for. Fentanyl, fentanyl, uh, a fentanyl patch. Uh, I wore it on the inside of my thigh. You change it every um, 48 hours. You move it, or 72 hours. Yeah, you move it. And it's for. Uh, it's for pain So all um, three of
0: those drugs are for pain
1: it's a, I, I will say this Out of, out of all the things that, I, that I've taken it's, it's odd for me to think That people are addicted to fentanyl Because going through the oxycodone The dilated, the Oxycontin All of those things that I've been on Fentanyl patch does not deliver a high
0: What about morphine? Have you ever taken morphine? Yeah,
1: I can't take morphine um, Well, I, I can take morphine now And, and I'll, I'll tell you about that in a second um, But the fentanyl patch, I never knew it was on like, I never felt, ooh, this euphoric, I need to put on another one. There were days that I forgot to change it, you know, because I just forgot it was there. Um, but then I went into the hospital, and had surgery on a blood clot, and I coded, and I was wearing the fentanyl patch, and then we saw this uh, thing where uh, fentanyl patches can cause serious blood clots and pulmonary embolism. So I went to my doctor and said, I want off of this now.
0: Your doctors didn't know that?
1: My doctors didn't know that. So, terrifying. um, so that was the last time I did. Now I've switched doctors since then. And, and my doctor now, uh, when I told her that she was like, I'm so glad you don't want to be on that. Cause I have such a problem prescribing a fentanyl patch. Cause I have the same, I have issues with it. I don't like it. So, um, but I've been going through this for now four years. So th- my pain medication gets changed up off and on because if you take it all the time, the eventually th- you build the tolerance. So you have to switch up. So now that I'm at, at Duke, there is a hu- I'm in a pain contract. So I get drug tested every month um, and I can't go anywhere else for my pain medication I'm, I'm in a contract and literally there's a new system that my uh, doctor told me about the last time that I was there that they can now go to the computer mm. and they can find out what you're getting prescribed at pharmacies the pharmacies are all linked now yeah. and right. so they can look it up and say oh you're going we're prescribing you today So they
0: will know if you're abusing the
1: yeah they know what yeah. you're getting filled when yeah. you're getting and where and you know are you seeing multiple doctors so they can see that now so, there, there is a process. I don't know if everybody goes through that process. I can't say that UNC or anybody else goes through that process, but that's the process that, that I have to go through um, with Duke. But your question about morphine, when I first had my blood clot, when I lived in St. Louis, uh, they shot me up with morphine. and It didn't work, and it was the first time I'd ever had it. And when they were doing stuff to my leg, I was like, I can feel everything you're doing. So, um, we decided that morphine didn't work mm-hmm. for me. So... Um I was off of it but but now I'm on morphine as a long at lasting drug. So I take it twice a day, sometimes, um every twelve hours. Um What else as do you a, take for pain? um oxycodone.
0: So you take oxycodone and morphine. Mm-hmm. So when I hear that and I don't know as much about interactions as you two do, I'm pointing to Rick and Megan. That makes my or, stomach... Or Richard and What Megan. did I say? What did I say? I'm sorry. I swear, I <laughs> I'm, sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm um, sorry. Dick. <laughs> <laughs> my stomach twists up in knots when I hear that you're on morphine and oxycodone. Mm-hmm. Because to me, that's <coughs> terrifying. But I don't know what the interaction is. So I'm not one's, qualified.
2: One's long acting and one's one is one,
1: one, one is for breakthrough. But,
0: so there's nothing... Is there any risk for you being on both of those? Mm, I'm asking mm, these guys, not you. Oh.
1: <laughs> No. Okay. No. Well, that's for my own education. The can medical director like- at, at, at my doctor told me that there were there were five. No, yeah, I think there are five long long lasting drugs that I can take. There was MS Cotton, which I said no, I couldn't take because mm-hmm. when I first took it, it made me sick. Mm-hmm. The second one was a fentanyl, which I said no, I didn't want to take. The third one was um, uh, methadone. And there was a fourth Oh, The the fourth one was Oxycontin And and they don't They won't prescribe Oxycontin At Duke anymore Because they know The street value Mm -hmm. Is what she said She says If you want that You can't get a Are you serious Mm -hmm. They know the street value So you will not get A prescription there So I didn't so the so that left me with fentanyl, which I had a bad experience with. That left me with MS cotton, which makes me sick, and that left me with methadone. So I thought methadone, which I brought up, I said, "Isn't that what they give to people who are addicted to heroin?" Yeah. And the doctor told me said, "Yes, but the but what we give patients that have chronic pain is about ten times less the amount mm-hmm. of the smallest." Of it. Yeah that a a drug user would use so it's not used for the same thing so they tried me on it it made me sick i didn't like it so i came off of it so that's why i I went back on the ms so
0: what's the what's the uh i don't know how to say this intelligently um what are these drugs derived from like what's their base you know what i mean like they're uh, what class of drug are they
1: oxycodone is heroin
0: or pop- morphine derivative. Mm-hmm. I mean morphine. That's, yeah. what, I, <laughs> I, that's what I'm asking because I know, like you know, there are opiates. There are.
1: That's what I mean. Opiate, not heroin. Sorry.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm asking the nurses. <laughs> Just there. What are these? <laughs> what are these drugs like? What's the? I don't know the appropriate terminology. Um. What's the base of these drugs? Are they opiates? Or are they narcotics? What are they?
2: No, they're all
3: narcotics. Well, they're all narcotics. narcotics. most are opiates. Yeah.
0: Which is it, which comes from poppy. Poppy.
2: Poppy. Poppy's.
1: Okay. <laughs> well, all right. I'm sorry. We're going to, I'm going to step back. We're going to take 10 seconds. Scott, you are in so much trouble with <laughs> Megan, but we'll talk about that later. All right. Five, four, three, two, one. Okay, go ahead. You're supposed
0: to do five, four, three, two, one in silent. Oh. In silence. You have so much editing to do on this yeah. show. So. <laughs> I have a lot of work to do. All right. So anyway, we were talking about the class of class of drugs and all of that good stuff. Um, so can I just share a little bit of a, an experience and um, raise a, a question? So I was in a car accident about twelve years ago, and I needed a prescription for pain, and they gave me Percocet, mm. and I don't know what kind of drug that is. Like I don't know what what that would. Qualify
3: as or I'm as. sorry. I'm Percocet. just completely out. Percocet. Zered Percocet, <laughs> Percocet.
0: Is it, is, is it, Percocet is Megan.
1: Megan wants a biscuit. <laughs> I just want a biscuit.
0: Percocet. Percocet.
1: Percocet is the same thing as oxycodone, right? Just with, with tylenol. tylenol. Okay.
0: Yeah. So they gave me Percocet. And at that time in my life, I wasn't sleeping. Like I, I had
3: severe. Um, or pooping, probably, because it stops you. <laughs>
2: This is okay. before you took it. I'm talking about just
0: generally in my life at that time. I was pooping just fine. Thank mm-hmm. you. But um,
1: but you are I, right about that.
0: Okay. Well. <laughs> yeah. Coley's. Okay.
1: Miralax. All right. <laughs> All right. Good. <laughs> so
0: I don't remember if I was constipated at that time, but I wasn't sleeping. I had pretty severe insomnia. Um, and so I took, I took the Percocet for the pain. I don't know. A few times. Not much. Um, but. Then what I found myself doing, because I found that when I would take the Percocet, wow, I felt really good. Mm-hmm. And it was this really nice euphoria. I was very <laughs> relaxed, very mellow. Um, and after I had my wound all healed and everything was fine, I would I found myself when I couldn't sleep, mm. I would go and it's like, I'll just take a Percocet. It'll relax wow. me, I'll fall asleep. And I think I did that. Two or three nights when I couldn't sleep, and then I was two like, or three years. No, 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 <laughs> no. Literally two or three nights. They, I think the I think I had a prescription for ten pills, and so two or three nights I took this Percocet so that I would sleep, because the pain wasn't bad enough that I needed it. I mean, I still had pain, but I could do an ibuprofen and be fine. Mm. Um, but I found myself going to the Percocet to to sleep because I love that feeling of mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. very mellow and relaxed, and it was fantastic. And then I, after the third and I was like, you know what, this is not a good, good. habit for me to right. have, right. because this is how people get addicted to mm. these drugs. And so I threw them away. Damn it!
1: <laughs> Put dish but soap on them.
0: I threw them away. I don't. I tend to not go for things once they're in the garbage. That's <laughs> okay, what I do with my cupcakes. Soap. That's what I do with my ice cream. I'll buy a package. Is of that why you go- have all those bottles of I do dish with- soap in there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: When but I want to throw Bad food away I put dish soap on it And then put it in the garbage I can I just
0: put it in the garbage Because I won't go in after yeah,
1: it Yeah If it's a cake I might go in after it I would
3: go I would, in would totally it. eat cake In the trash can yeah. I, You I would not I would eat cake In <laughs> the trash yeah. can I would, I would check to would. see <laughs> What it touched And I would eat the cake <laughs> <I would laughs> Right out of the trash can
0: Oh I would never do that With, with a anymore. fork <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yeah It's good Not me Shreddy balls not me
0: um, I won't but, eat those
1: uh, sweaty balls. No sweaty balls.
0: Okay. Um, wow, we are off topic. <laughs> well,
1: no, I I can go, that. I I can go back. To, are, you, are you? I just wanted to share that story. That's it. No, yeah. I can totally go. I can totally understand that because um, I've taken this stuff for so long now that when I feel like I need to take it, my body feels like it's going to be sick just mm-hmm. thinking about it. I already get the thinking stomach about taking it. Thinking you get about sick? taking it, my my stomach starts to turn. Really. mm Hmm. So, um, a lot of that stuff makes me nauseous, so I take uh, anti-nausea medicine for that, which makes me, turns into a zombie. So which, but I, what do well, you take? I take Fennergan? Fennergan, well, that'll do it. Mm-hmm. Well, so, yeah.
0: do you think there's an over-prescription issue in this sure. country? Uh, like, it was very
1: easy for me to go into the pain clinic and say, okay, so this is how I was diagnosed in the pain clinic, which, is which which is why I knew it wasn't for me. So, my primary care doctor was like, you know, I don't really know enough about your Disorder to prescribe you pain medication for we don't know we don't we don't know what this is like So your specialist your hematologist should do it But my hematologist was like no, we don't prescribe pain medications for anybody your primary care So I got into the pain clinic which my primary care sent me to And this is how they determined how much pain I was in She literally looked at my leg and said walk down the hall for me What and I walked down the hall and I came back. And because I had either had surgery or had, had, had some issue, I had, was limping. And you've known me for a while with this. And, and as of you, sometimes I have pain and sometimes I don't. I can be perfectly fine one day and then, you know, I can't get out of bed the next day. That day was not a big deal for me, but I had, was experiencing pain. So when I put pressure down on my leg, I would sort of hop off of it really quick. We went back, sat down. And she said, here, here are three prescriptions. And that was it. Three? Fentanyl, oxycodone, uh-huh. and oxycontin. Uh-huh. That's what I walked out of there with that day. To me, that was really easy for me to do. She didn't know. There's so, so little research about my disorder that nobody knows how to treat it pain-wise. It's like my primary care doctor now, who I love, has told me, She goes, you know, it's hard diagnosing you because when we walk in here, you look like you're perfectly fine. You look like a fit. There's nothing wrong with you. But if we go and look at your medical chart, you're in a lot of trouble. And so it's really, really hard. Explain that. What? I mean, what do you mean?
0: When you said when we look at your medical chart, you're in a lot of trouble. Well, they
1: can see that, you know, I've had pulmonary embolisms. I've coded. Physical trouble. Physical trouble. Uh, Yeah. Physical trouble. But on the outside, everything looks fine. So when, when there have been issues where we've had to go to the emergency room and I come in complaining of all this pain and 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 stuff, it's like that sometimes the doctors will look at you and say, do you really think that this is what's happening to you? And and I always say, go look at my chart before you come and talk to me that way, because, yes. On the outside, I look like a liar. I look like I could go run a marathon. But go look at my chart, and you'll find out that it's probably the thickest one in here.
0: But I will tell you, knowing you, I don't think you look like you could run a marathon.
1: No.
0: <laughs> but no, 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 no. I don't mean that as any kind of comment on your physical appearance. <laughs> well, no, that's I'm, what I thought. <laughs> no. No, but you know. Because I've known you, you know. right. for 20 years however many years How i'll be 30
2: I? in next week so yeah. just you'll be five years. what i'm on here for five years 30
0: he's lying you're a liar I'm liar so all i'm saying is i've known <laughs> you. is your birthday in may okay can we no hello? i'm sorry i just need to know this no it is not in may oh, okay excuse
3: back me. to me mm. so.
1: <laughs> two mondays from now
3: mine's next week
1: call me hey When is
3: next week <laughs> i'm listening the 30th
1: now. i got you cupcakes <laughs> They're on the counter. An orange cream sickle. I bought those
3: cupcakes. <laughs> not for my birthday. Don't make me feel special. It's not your birthday yet. It's not. I know. Okay.
1: but so. you not light up lip gloss? <laughs> I do Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry.
0: Fantastically <laughs> sexy. I was just saying that I've known you in various stages of your life, and I've mm-hmm. known you at your peak when you're in your peak physical condition. And, and I could run a marathon. I'm sure I've you seen could pictures have.
3: from your peak physical condition. Yeah. Yeah, Megan was, yeah. I googled it. <laughs> she did. I was, I'll just show I you. Was there. I know, jealous. you don't need to. I have them saved in my phone. But I
0: really want to know what our... I remember our, that from Halloween. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I really want to know what our RNs think about whether we prescribe too much in this country. Because you guys have been floor nurses, right? Mm-hmm. Both of you. So you are, you see firsthand what what the patients have to deal with and whether there's an issue with overprescription or not. So what do you have any experiences you can share or any thoughts?
3: So I've done ICU and ER and mostly in the ER. I feel like there's a lot of emphasis on pain management. When patients come in, they don't have primary care doctors. They want to be treated and our doctors give them pain medication. Do you think, What's the percentage you think that are valid claims of pain versus? I can't even give eye. a percentage. There's a lot of people that I don't necessarily think are valid complaints, but I, I mean, there's some that I wouldn't think really were valid, but turned out to be very valid because you would never. It's very unexpected sometimes. Mm-hmm. You just think somebody's lying, and to turn out to realize that they're not.
1: Mm-hmm. Does that make them? Does that make them an informed patient? Or an addict? Or an addict.
3: I think it can be both. I think they can be smart enough. Some of them are smart enough to know the system. I mean, there's been patients that come sure. to the ER, many ERs that I've worked in that are there every week and they know exactly what to say. They know if they say they have chest pain, they're getting rushed back and they're getting this and they're getting that. But at the same time, you you have to treat them because there's patients that come in every week to say they have chest pain and you think they're full of crap and then they, they code one day because they have chest pain and they end mm-hmm. up having a heart attack. So you horrible. have to take right. it and so, as ER physicians and just working with them the world is so worried about suing and everyone's about you mm-hmm. know calls making the hospital liable and they didn't treat my pain and the satisfaction customer satisfaction scores that we have to take customer care satisfaction? Of. It's customer
1: yeah, satisfaction. You get a cust- I get a I get a a uh, customer satisfaction and survey every time question, I go to
3: One of the main questions is was your pain treated? Mm-hmm. And if If that's not treated then they go to the physicians so the physicians have to treat their pain if their pain is above a certain level it has to be treated and it has to be treated with a narcotic Mm -hmm. you can you have to offer it is because you have to err
1: on the side of of they really are you have to err that they really are in pain that
3: that to the patient so what is and I mean and and doctors are scared I mean doctors are scared that. that they're going to get sued or that something is really wrong and they're not necessarily believing because, I mean, I got out of patient care because I was so jaded because everybody came in. Everybody complained of pain while they're eating their Doritos and sucking on their lollipop and won't get off their telephone. And, you know, I got tired of listening to people complain about pain. So you but, just gave it to him to shut them up. I'll give you this morphine.
1: You will stop talking then. Yeah, but one of the good I know one of the signs, I've heard a nurse say to somebody that's beside me, like in the ER, they say, wow, you're in a lot of pain, but... You sure do have an appetite. Most yeah. people that are in that much pain can't don't, can't eat. Don't can't have eat. an appetite. And it's like
3: what well, you know. Yeah. We use the stupid scale zero to ten. On a scale of zero to ten, what's your pain? And I had I had specifically remember one patient. I'm like, what's your pain zero? To, he's sleeping, <laughs> and I'm literally like sternal rubbing him. What is your pain? And he wakes up. He's eight. I said you're an eight out of ten, and you're asleep. I what could not fall asleep. Could not wake up. I'm like, why won't you wake up? Well, I took my sleeping medicine and my Percocet. But yet, we still give him pain medicine.
0: It makes me think of I saw something on Pinterest, because I'm an addict, um, that said, Really? Your pain is a nine out of 10. So you're telling me that if I punch you in your incision, you won't feel any worse or whatever it right. was? Right, right. Um, makes... No, it's
3: it's a big issue. And the ER is mostly, I mean, the ICU, I, you know, I, prescribed a lot of pain medicine I was in you know you prescribed the meds oh uh, no not prescribed you I gave, gave them out I yeah. gave yeah I wish I could prescribe no. <laughs> I gave a lot of pain medication and they needed it I mean I truly believed most 90% of those patients needed that pain medicine but in the ER it's a very frustrating situation to be in because most of the time you have to treat their pain so that the scores are good, and you get good patient satisfaction, mm-hmm. and then the doctors that don't get is a reamed out. Reason to treat Strive
1: for five. Yeah, yeah. they yeah. want
3: their satisfaction scores up, or they go right to the physicians, mm-hmm. and then it comes down on the nurses, and the patients aren't happy. So Do you think there's an, an issue of over prescribing? I don't know about over prescribing. Um, it's
1: hard to walk out of an ER with a prescription. It depends.
3: No, they, they do. It's mm. a limited quantity usually. Um, but we'll, they'll give you pain medicine, and the people that don't get it, if they're there for that, they will pitch a fit, and you'll hear it because well, they'll they'll want to they'll they'll say, well, why am I not getting anything for pain? And there's some doctors that are really good about saying, well, I'm sorry, but you have you know strep throat, and this will be good enough for <laughs> you your can take strep right. throat, <laughs> as opposed to you know you have a broken arm, you you should get this. Mm-hmm. But it, there's a lot of patients that will complain if well, they don't do you get think, what they you, want do you think
0: there's well, an issue with over prescription or what's well, your experience i kind of have
2: two i kind of have two experiences on that when i worked on the floor i worked in an hiv unit um back in the late 90s when we had a lot of frequent flyers and one of the stories i remember frequent flyers we've frequent flyers all cause, the time because yeah it was a, you know it was an hiv unit and it was before the cocktail was out so we had patients who were but coming before
0: in, you go on into that not everybody in our audience knows what the cocktail means.
2: Oh, the cocktail. Um, combinations of HIV and her retrovirals that are very effective now mm-hmm. um, for H- treating HIV. So I had this patient who, he was an addict. He had, um, he was came in, I, this is when I worked in Atlanta. He came in from Alabama. Um, he'd been in prison. He came
0: to Atlanta from Alabama. From
2: Birmingham, Alabama. He had gotten over to the um, over to atlanta because they had a good they had a good hiv unit there at grady um, and he had he had injected some narcotics into his lower extremity using water from a mud puddle and he developed as the
0: as okay yeah, as he, the vehicle
2: yes okay um, and he injected it in his bottom part of his leg and got cellulitis in his leg so he got admitted to the hospital and I mean the guy was in a lot of pain
0: Well, yeah. and cellulitis hurts
2: but he was an addict and he knew he was an addict um, and I remember the doctors writing a script for him for Demerol and he could have it every four hours and you know I was the kind of nurse that if the doctor said they could have it every four hours and they wanted it every four hours they got it every four hours mm-hmm. and I used to joke and I used to call him Demerol Dave mm-hmm. and It's interesting because, you know, as a nurse, you have to talk to them when when they're requesting a lot of pain medicine. You have to ask the patient, you know, do you think you have a problem? Would you like to talk to someone? And the thing that always stood out in my mind about him was he was like, I know the line. I know what I need to tell you to get what I Mm -hmm. need. He said, but I'm an addict. He said this. Yeah, he goes, I'm an addict. I have HIV. I'm going to die. I know what my life is. And he said, oh, hello. Hello.
0: (laughs) We have a pussy who's come to visit. (laughs) And, you know, he was very
2: honest about it. And as a nurse, I really appreciated that because he was very upfront about it and said, you know, my leg hurts. The Demerol helps. It helps me, you know. Get through the day. Get through the day. But then on the other hand, once I left the floor, I went into hospice nursing. So I did palliative care nursing which is all oh. about pain management
0: and totally different and
2: and give it a, all to yeah them. <laughs> you know and you have to do it you know as a palliative care nurse and a hospice nurse your whole goal is to keep that patient Com- comfortable, comfortable. Mm-hmm. and a lot of times keeping the patient comfortable help keep the family comfortable mm-hmm. you know um it, it's just it's a whole different world so you know over prescribing i know gabe was talking about oxycontin i remember I worked in Atlanta and I worked in a home hospice and I used to drive around on Friday nights through the projects in Atlanta with a trunk full of OxyContin and I would, I just had bottles of it and I would go to the patient's house to make sure, do you have enough to get you through the weekend? Really? No, I'm a little bit. I'd go off to the trunk, I'd pour it in there, give it to him and then when a patient dies, as a nurse, a hospice nurse, you can go and pronounce the death. Mm -hmm. So I spent three years of my life in the middle of the night driving to people's homes and pronouncing you know their family Death. member right. and then you had all this narcotics in the house and you would have to flush them down the toilet and we would take just a, we had this whole form we'd write down how many pills we threw away how many fentanyl patches we'd have to cut in mm-hmm. half throw them in the trash and then we would sign it and we would get a family member to sign it and i remembered at that time thinking you know, if I was addicted to drugs, mm-hmm. this would be the easiest thing. The family is in total turmoil at that mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually had a very good friend that I was in nursing school with who worked with me in the hospice, and he became addicted to drugs. And he ended up taking mm-hmm. the drugs from the patients. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry to say, but, you know, my friend Danny's daddy took a high dive off Crawford Long Hospital in Atlanta, mm. you know? My and it was just because... It was so accessible to him at that time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Gabe talked about the street value. And I just think of the thousands Mm -hmm. of tablets I had to get rid of. Mm -hmm.
0: I know two people um, who I'm very close to. Nobody in this building knows them. Um, Who became addicted to OxyContin and OxyCodone. Um, And it started with a work-related injury Mm -hmm. where they needed they're they're both in a very physical labor um type industry and and they it's it's two people two separate people and they were prescribed this painkiller this potent painkiller for a a true injury and like me with the the Percocet like oh this feels really good (laughs) whereas I was able to say "Uh uh-huh this is a problem because I come from a long line of addicts I will tell it, I mean, a long line of alcoholics and addicts, so I know that I need to you know watch that right So or I could throw them away, these people didn't seem to have that ability mm-hmm. to say, "Aha, uh-huh, this is an issue. So what started as a true need for pain meds, um, they, over the course of what year is it? probably 10 years, um, developed a true addiction even way after the injury was healed and over. To Oxycontin and Oxycodone. Now, one of those um, two people were able to recognize the issue, work with their doctor, and go on a treatment. And now he takes, I don't think it's methadone, but he takes something um, every single day, which in my mind still makes him an addict. But I don't know mm-hmm. enough so about it. Like I, I don't know, know what it is, ride. but it, it's an, in my mind, in my uneducated mind about this, it, it makes you still an addict if you haven't, if you're not completely clean. But nonetheless, the other person. Um, went on a completely different path, and none of these people, <coughs> neither of these people, I mean to say, are are bad people. They have families. They're normal people who live normal lives. They they have productive jobs, and they're they're contributors to society. They go to church. I mean, they're what you would consider quote unquote good people. Um, so the first went through that avenue of treatment with his doctor. The second didn't. Um, for number of reasons which I won't go into Um, and the second um, wound up long story short going to jail Um, there's too many variables to get into but the bottom line is he wound up going to jail Um, not prison but jail for a a few things Um, like I think possession was one of them um, of a controlled substance because he had um, oxycontin oxycodone but by that time he had built up a tolerance to those two so he was had moved on to heroin Because for him it was he needed, you know, more, and this person is a good person. You know, he's not your stereotypical addict on the street. Yet he was addicted to these serious drugs, and he wound up doing time for it. Um, And so for me, it's like that is so sad, and it's sad for a number of reasons. Number one, that he he so easily became addicted to this, which I. I have a hard time kind of wrapping my head around that. I don't understand addiction, and I think that's because, for me, I'm so hypersensitive to, to my own proclivity for it. Not that I'm an addict, but I, I recognize, you know, I've seen it in my family for generations um, that I, I'm kind of paranoid about it. Right. Um, but it, I don't – so I don't fully understand how it, how it works. But for this person, he was not able to get out of this cycle – and he went into this, and and he went into this kind of spiral, and so now he's quote unquote labeled. He doesn't have a job now because he lost his job when he went to jail because he couldn't go to work, um, and so I just feel like it all started because of pain management, and I, and I I don't blame his medical care practitioners for it because I don't I don't know how that happened, but I think if someone if he had gone to his doctor regularly or checked in or something maybe something could have happened to prevent this from going on. Um but it's I mean I just I think I think there's an element of, you know, maybe for his injury he didn't need to be prescribed oxycontin or Oxyconone. maybe he could have had something else. I don't I don't know. I'm not I'm not a medical professional. Um but it's just I think it's I in those two cases that I know personally, um they started with a very legitimate cause and those two people were just unable to, you know, they had that switch in their brain that oh, this Yes, okay, my pain is over, but is it? I don't know. I still have this physical need for this drug. I don't know. I don't know.
3: I think some people can easily recognize that and others cannot because I also, with growing up with alcoholism and I had um, my stepmother died from a heroin overdose and my uncle still struggles with heroin.
0: My my father died from a drug overdose. Yeah,
3: so I think that there's just some people that, can realize that it's a problem and my stepmother was a nurse yeah. and she worked in a methadone clinic and she helped my uncle go to treatment for heroin and she ended up dying from a heroin overdose and i think that there are some people that can recognize that they have a problem and that they want to stop there's some people that want to stop and find a way and there's some people Who that can't. just don't want to there's some people that they can't and I think you know even as when we were talking about xanax that my grandmother that died a couple years ago she had an addiction to xanax my whole family off and on have had you know many people with xanax and i i'm always concerned about myself because i know how easy it is Mm -hmm. but i've been prescribed medication and it doesn't there's nothing that i feel like i need to get out of a prescription Mm -hmm. medication where some people really easily feel that they need that
0: is there some do any of us think that there's some kind of uh, this is just a question i don't have i don't know what my own opinion is um who think that there is some kind of responsibility to the medical community for for these for these kinds of addictions i
2: think Mm -hmm. the responsibility lies on all parties because you know we've all as nurses we've experienced people who have come in and said i know the game i know what i need Mm -hmm. to do to get what Mm -hmm. i want right um you know gabe you mentioned going to the doctor and they just gave you three prescriptions so mm-hmm. you know it's your responsibility to go whoa wait a minute have you looked at my chart but why did why you give me three responsibility pre- pre- to do that because he's an informed patient
3: and but, because also that as we said before the doctors want this their satisfaction scores to be where but they But if a <laughs>
0: doctor prescribes three meds that might be contradictory to what you need or to what your your disorder might be or might be detrimental to your health, isn't it the doctor's responsibility to know
3: what to know that to know
0: the to say that I've I've just it, given you it, yeah, a mean, lethal, lethal cocktail?
1: cocktail. Yeah. Definitely the doctor's oh, yeah.
3: responsibility, and I think it also lies on the patient. And I think that people are not educated enough to know what they need. I mean, there's a lot of uneducated people that go to the doctor and just do whatever the doctor says that they need to do. Mm-hmm. And people need to be more educated for themselves so that they know exactly what they need to make themselves better. I mean, that's a big issue. There's no education
1: at and all. It's, and it and goes there's back, no liability it on goes, yourself. It also goes back to like, a smart patient versus a patient that just walks in and, mm-hmm. and, and, and says, no and trust the doctor 100% right. because I, when this, when this first started for me, I didn't know anything about pain medication. I didn't know what were, I didn't know what anything was, but I remember, uh, a few years ago when we were first meeting and I was in the hospital for like 30 days. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember having that multiple surgeries and I was sitting in my hospital room and my nurse came in and I was crying and she was like, what's wrong with you? And I said, I'm in so much pain. And I said, what you're giving me isn't working. I said, but I don't want to ask for anything else because I don't want you to think that I'm a drug addict. But I've been through this now for quite a while and I know what works and that's not what you're giving me. And she shut the door and said, you know what? There are a lot of people that come in here and say that, that say, ah, uh, this, this doesn't work for me. You have to give me something more. And they call it out by name. She said... You can do that. She says, Because if I had a doubt about what you're going through, you're backed up by what's in your chart. We can go back out here and say, you know what, this there's no way he's lying. Look at what's going on with him. It's all it's all documented. But I used to say, I feel bad about going in and saying, Okay, this is what works for me and I can call it by name because I'm afraid of being labeled a drug addict when I go to the doctor. But and I've had several nurses that say, um um that say, you know, you will be labeled a drug addict, and then I've had nurses say, "No, go ahead, say it. Don't don't sit in here and be in pain. That's what you're not supposed to be in pain when you're in the hospital. That's that's what you're here for." Well,
3: I, th- I think that's the unfortunate thing for people that really are in pain. Sure, opposed to people that. That are, that are abusing not. the system mm-hmm. because as a nurse I've had so many people abuse the system that when somebody comes in that mm-hmm. is legitimately in pain it's really hard to recognize that
2: mm-hmm. so sure. you
3: are completely I mean I I got to the point where everybody that came in that complained of pain I had to sit there and think is this person telling the truth I mean are they mm-hmm. being honest with me or are they lying and it's a sure. very frustrating place to be and that's the point that I knew I needed to move away from patient care for a while because mm-hmm. I wasn't feeling that, you know, this person really needs this medicine and this person's really sick because there's so many people that take advantage of the system mm-hmm. and they don't need it.
1: And there's a and there's a lot like with a lot of newer doctors that are being taught that same oh, thing. Yeah, oh. A lot of a, well a lot of new doctors are 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 not willing to prescribe anything mm-hmm. for you because I had surgery I'll say maybe less than a year ago and I was in the vascular ICU where when I have to have the, the lysis done, you know, you have to be, we have to be watched. I was there and the doctor that was taking care of me other than my surgeon came in and they weren't giving me anything for pain. And so I, I asked about it because I was in a lot of pain. I had tubes running through my legs, and he goes, "Oh no, I don't I don't prescribe pain medication." And I said, "Why?" Is it "Because you could get addicted to it."
3: During the procedure? No,
1: no. While I was in the hospital, my surgeon I had it while I was had surgery, but right. when I was in the ICU with the tubes in my legs for three days, they wouldn't give it to me, and it was the doctor and I complained. I, I was did, this resident? Uh, I don't know if he was a resident. I don't remember, but I did. I I filed a complaint against him because because he said I, I don't I won't prescribe it. Um, because you could get addicted to it. and I thought, I'm in the hospital Why am I here? I'm not asking you, well, I'm not asking you for a prescription mm-hmm. and you see that I have tubes going through my legs, right? And if you went down and talked to my surgeon, my surgeon's going to tell you, uh, the kid's in a lot of pain
3: And there's the difference between dependence, addiction, and mm-hmm. I mean when you're having and surgery. yeah, and you're yeah. having surgery, you need mm-hmm. to have pain medication. because well, well, that when I me. well
1: when yes. I had surgery a few months ago, when I went down, I had surgery four days in a row. And the second day that I went down when they were looking at the tubes in my legs, the the nurse that's down there that that knows me pretty well, that's, that's always there when I'm there, she looked at my chart and said, this is what they're giving you for pain? And she goes, children. She goes, that's what kind of doctor we have now. She goes... She goes, this, I, this is like giving you an aspirin for what you're going through. She's and that's like, what
3: the nurses usually are there for, yeah, <laughs> to yeah, exactly. say that there's a problem and, with and she the went And doing. she
1: went and called, and I don't know if there was a problem with the doctors, but when I went back upstairs, I had a brand new doctor that took care of the situation. But it was the surgical team that went and said, you know, we're the professionals with what's going on with him. This is what you need to, to give him, not what you think he needs, but this is what we see every day. And it was it was fixed, but I remember her, her exact words when she looked at my chart. She was like, "Children, these children doctors won't won't do anything. They don't know how to treat pain." Yeah, and so,
3: in the ICU, that that is a frustrating thing. When I was the, the difference between the ER and the ICU, because in the ICU you feel like somebody needs more than what they're necessarily getting. Sure, and it's it's hard sometimes to get that. So there's a big difference between the two. Um, the ICU is a whole, especially surgical. That's a whole nother
1: yeah story yeah it's
2: you know so
0: well uh, richard i'm curious what what made you leave um floor care what do you call it um
2: well (laughs) because i left floor care and went into hospice nursing Mm -hmm. i found myself on the floor spending time with patients who were dying Mm -hmm. and i would sit in patients rooms at night when i knew they were going to pass and do my charting in there and i actually had one of the chaplains came to me and said you know you you've got a calling for this you need to do that so I went into hospice care and I I did that for three years and I left that because I was no longer affected when the phone would ring in the middle of the night and I'd have to go pronounce someone and I thought okay it's time to move away from this it was a great it was a perfect time in my life to go through that um you know it made me grow up a lot Mm -hmm. but I mean I was older when I went when I went to nursing school so um but, yeah, so that's how I got it. And then, then I had a friend who was working in clinical research, and I thought, well, that sounds fun. That sounds exciting. And here I am 15 years later working for a pharmaceutical company.
3: I had a palliative care doctor tell me I had a patient that was dying that I had to go in and give um, medication to t- morphine. And I don't remember what else I was giving her. We had extubated her and we had the discussion that, you know, when you when we take the tube out, eventually you're going to you're going to pass. And her whole family was in there. Mm -hmm. I went in to give her the medication and I I had to leave the room because I was like hysterically crying. And the family's out there hugging me like, Mm -hmm. it's okay, it's okay. And I'm like, no, I mean, because I knew that eventually when I gave her this medicine, she wasn't going to be able to communicate anymore. And when the palliative care doctor came to talk to me, he said, when you get to the point when this doesn't affect you, then you need to leave. Yeah, and
2: that's what I do. And it
3: always affected me, you know, even to this day, if I'm, if I know of something that's happening, it it bothers me, but... Mm. That wasn't, I palliative care is a great yeah. area to be in.
0: I think if I were ever going to do any kind of volunteer work, I would go volunteer somewhere at a hospice care center. Hey, they I always mean, need volunteers. Uh, do they? Oh, they do. And that's, so that's my my grandmother, when my grandmother passed in 2010, I mean, my grandmother was sick for a long, long time. And, and it was, I mean, not to say this cruelly, but it was better that she mm-hmm. passed. Um, I will never forget those last, I think it was, the last three days of her life, I mean, she was in, in a nursing home for the last probably five years of her life. Um, and the last several months, she was, my, my grandmother um, had Huntington's. I don't know if mm-hmm. you're familiar oh, with yeah. Huntington's at all. Um, it's a brutal, horrible disease. Um, it, for those who are unfamiliar with it, it's it's almost like a combination between Alzheimer's and Parkinson's, out. but amped up Mm -hmm. Um, and so she completely lost control of you know everything she couldn't walk she couldn't stand she couldn't speak at the end Um, but those last few days of her life those hospice nurses I mean we were all you know me and my aunts were in the room with my grandmother 24 hours a day and they let us stay there and they didn't think Mm -hmm. you know they didn't kick us out or anything and we were in there with her Um, and those last few days when the nurses were coming in and kind of giving her medication for pain because because i mean i don't i've never had huntingtons but from what i understand it's quite painful um particularly at the end and they were giving her a lot of morphine she couldn't speak anyway even without the morphine at that point but it was just such a gut-wrenching experience for us but when she finally passed
3: it's a relief
0: and it was it was i'll never forget this moment as long as i live when she when she passed but I'm sure she was relieved but the the hospice nurses I mean we were crying they were hysterical Oh yeah mm-hmm. they I mean they were we were comforting them
3: mm-hmm. um, because I've they had were I had many many family I mean, we, we members were sad comforting and we
0: were crying but we'd been living with with her disease for how long how old is she 30 years Mm -hmm. and so at this point we're thinking god she's finally getting some relief you know she's with my grandfather and and you know dancing in heaven somewhere Mm -hmm. and she's not in pain anymore and now she has you know in our minds she's all fine and everything's happy but for these nurses who had been dealing with her Mm -hmm. you know for months and months and, and even years they were hysterical and we were comforting them and I can't imagine, I can't imagine that kind of job. I think it would be, I think it takes an amazing strength of character to be
3: able to deliver palliative care. I just, I just can't imagine it. Yeah, I, I imagine loved, it. Pa- I, in ICU when I see you we had a patient that was going on palliative care, it was just, it was, it, it was great because you knew it was hard. And I've had many patients that we all have stood around the bedside because they had no family and we prayed and held yeah. their hand yeah. until they passed because they didn't have family and then I've had some that the family members are in there crying and I'm outside of the room crying. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is because you see a lot of nursing is you try to see the person as a patient and and that they uh, have the patient as a person sorry (laughs) yeah patient as a person and that they have family and initially when they first come in and they're really sick and you're trying to take care of them you're not thinking about that and then when their family comes in
0: you see that they have and you see that
3: this person liked to fish and he liked to hunt and he liked to do this stuff and he has kids and you see their pictures all over the wall we did that and when their family's there and they've passed you're kind of like Oh, it's a it's, life. It's someone's life is gone, and mm-hmm. even though it's kind of a relief to them, and you know that they're comfortable, it's hard knowing that you worked, especially if it's an unexpected thing, and you've worked so hard to take care of somebody that mm-hmm. they've they're finally gone. That's a it, we could do a whole show it on was hospital stories. So I
2: got maybe some we great should. Ones. I have some great ones.
3: Maybe we should like positive ones or like
2: emotionally
0: yeah, wrenching ones.
3: Well, both <laughs> a little bit of
2: both. I think I we mean,
0: should because I think I mean I I went to I mean not to go too much on a tangent, but. I, after that experience with my grandmother, I had a whole new appreciation for hospice care and mm-hmm. hospice, you know nursing and and even the volunteers. Like when we were there with my grandmother the last few days, there was a, a volunteer who came around and all he did was play the harp. Oh yeah, and mm-hmm. I, I will mm-hmm. never forget this because he came in, and my bitchy aunt, who shall remain nameless, was like, <laughs> "Oh, would you play such and such a song? And he's <laughs> like, "I don't do that." And the rest of us were like, "Shut up!"
2: I'm not Barry Manilow. I'm not exactly. here. <laughs> this is not exactly. piano man. <laughs> and so he
0: played his stuff, whatever he did. My grandmother <laughs> cried. Yeah, like mm-hmm. the, she was, you know, mm-hmm. uh, comatose. Not she couldn't move. She couldn't speak. But tears. Mm. Oh, it was the most moving thing. And so after that, after that experience with her, I thought, this is a whole new world. And and I thought, you know, if there's ever a, a place to volunteer. Mm-hmm. It's hospice care, and and maybe that's something that we can do. We can post on our Facebook page. I mean, they know when they're going to go. I mean, they, they, know. Oh, they know. I mean,
3: they wait and wait when and I, wait, and then I mean, family members. I've had to sit and I have flew con- across the yeah. country,
0: and and when I walked in the door, they wait. My grandmother, I'll never forget it. I walked in the door. I flew from <coughs> Chicago. I was living in Chicago at the time. My grandmother was, my grandmother was um, in Oregon, and I I came in, and she couldn't speak anymore. Um, came in, she turned, she looked at me, she kind of groaned, which was all she could do. And she reached out and she touched my face because she always wow. did that my whole life. That's what she would always do. Even at the end when her fingers were claws, cause she couldn't really move her muscles. She would, you know, claw at me, which is a family <laughs> joke. Um, but she touched my, she touched my face.
3: And the last thing my grandma said to me was I needed to lose weight. <laughs> no, <laughs> I swear to God. Are you kidding? She looked at me. She's like, you've gotten kind of heavy. I think you <gasps> might. Yeah. Along those lines, she had a stroke so it was hard to understand. (laughs) It's terrible to laugh, but she was along the lines of you've gotten heavy and you need to lose some weight. That's horrible. Well the last thing my brother said to me was "Mm," It's better (laughs) than lose some weight, you've gotten heavy. God.
1: That's pretty funny. So on that
3: (laughs) on that
0: note, we should say I think this was a really interesting discussion. I'm sure it's a great discussion. And we have a part two coming up for our next episode, which we'll get into um, a little later. But we need a little levity I think after all of this yeah. seriousness. So Gabe, take us into headlines. I'm going to take us into yeah. headlines. Yay. All right,
1: so you guys ready to laugh? Yes. yes. Okay, so there's a lot of there's a lot of masturbating going on.
0: Shh. I told you not to tell anybody.
1: Well, Heather, I'm just going to read your arrest record God. right here.
0: Can't <laughs> keep a secret at all.
1: So, apparently, uh, here was the headline. Strip club employee takes off clothes I mean, and masturbates in jail. I'm trying to keep a low profile. Heather, <laughs> get Helen under control. Damn it. So, here's here, her name is Lakeisha Johnson. Lakeisha. Lakeisha. La, Lakeisha a 29 <laughs> year old employee of a strip I'll data that out.
3: Is this down here?
1: No, it's a. It happened that she was an employee at Tootsie's Cabaret in Miami.
2: Mm-hmm. She's, just yeah, she's just working her way through college. Yeah, she's just
1: working her way through college like that Duke her girl.
3: I've degree. always wanted to be a stripper. Yeah. So what? she was
1: called, yes. she was called stealing. An interview
3: and- when I, was 18. What? <laughs> I didn't show up. I was scared. <laughs> I swear to God. I actually used to be really cute. <laughs> you you had an interview you? to be a stripper. Like, well, I don't know what kind of interview they do. But yeah. Yeah. I, what kind of interview do they do? I don't know. I didn't go. I was scared. Did you had to like rub up on the floor. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, what you got, I, it was, I was gonna,
3: yeah. <laughs>
2: Wait, were you married
0: at the time? What? No, 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 I don't know. I was eighteen. Megan, how old were when you got, 18.
3: 18. Megan? You got Megan, married? Megan,
1: we have a fog machine in the garage. And then I just recently
3: mm-hmm. went to um, what is it, Cabaret. cabaret cab- What is the um, Capital don't ask me. Capital Cabaret, <laughs> and I apparently I, I was talking family. to the guys <laughs> at the door about getting a job. I've, I've always wanted to be a stripper.
1: Well, well you t- earlier you why did not? talk about well, what she, she, <laughs>
0: she traveled with a bag.
1: She traveled with a bag of dildos in the back of her Wait car. Why if wouldn't I she did? be a stripper?
0: Why not? Because strange men are rub a ball up on your junk and you paid for you get
2: paid,
3: it. paid really good money ish.
0: It depends on what kind on. you,
2: where you, you work.
3: Like, I mean, I was cute then. I'm not doubting. That You're, you still You're still now. cute now. No, I was a lot cute, a lot skinnier.
1: You want me, you want me to blink the lights and get the fog machine out and show us we what you can, got? We can
3: do yeah. your audition right now. Yeah. Skinny is long gone. Yeah, but this yeah. is not. I could not get paid for what is under these clothes. Girl, that's not. Someone it? would pay. For it. I can how work it. Yeah. it. You know how I can drink work drink it. They've
1: had. <laughs> um, LaKeisha Johnson go back back got
3: paid. To <laughs> 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 okay. So. And Megan's uh, dream is gone.
1: <laughs> so uh, <laughs> okay. Lakeisha, uh So anyway, she apparently stole an iPad. And the iPad was not found in her... Uh, she was arrested, but they didn't find the, the iPad in her possession. So she was charged with resisting an officer. She resisted, obviously, the officer. And this is what she said. The officers say she slapped the cops, the cop's arm and yelled, Don't touch me, bitch. <laughs> That's totally Heather. So... Oh. So this. So it was when Johnson Johnson came to the Hallandale Beach jail that officers say she began repeatedly removing her clothing, exposing her genitals, buttocks, and breasts, and masturbating.
3: And they let this go on for how long before they stopped her?
1: She apparently shook the cell door and offered to perform a sex act in exchange for her release.
3: Why was
0: she masturbating? How
3: was she
1: shaking? She was trying to get out. (laughs)
0: How does that? Well, happen? Like that? How, how would masturbating get her out of jail?
1: I don't know, but the judge gave her a $100 bond for resisting arrest, but he did not cite her for the alleged sex. Because show. they were
3: uh, recording it, yeah. they and they were it's were on up. Up. Youporn.com she at the moment. She got a
1: $100 bail. Yeah. <laughs>
0: $100. Pornhub. Nobody mm. uses
3: uporn. Youporn, you can go to uporn, oh, and all I the know. ones are at I the know. top. I know. Yeah, Brad. I know.
1: You know. I know. I
3: was making a joke that no one goes to U porn anymore. Now they go to to Pornhub. Never
1: mind. That's another show. That's another show. We'll have all you back. The tail in the
3: trunk. No, we're not talking
0: about it.
1: So moving on about masturbating. So apparently, Richard, we always have a fun joke where we talk about dirty cops. Mm -hmm. So here's a really dirty. And when I say dirty, I mean dirty. Filthy. This cop allegedly got caught masturbating in Starbucks. Which I, Starbucks?
3: I, I <laughs> <laughs> shit, I miss all the good. Megan, oh, the,
1: Starbucks. The, PC, one, PC the one, the, the one, the one would that you her. go to for
3: mm. reals. Mm. I came <laughs> New Jersey. <In> Marina. <laughs>
1: yeah. So apparently, a Camden, New Jersey officer was removed from or duty.
3: Camden, New
0: Jersey.
2: Oh, what did I say? You Camden, did. New Jersey. Oh. I said Fuquay. She said oh. Fuquay.
1: Uh He was charged with disorderly lewdness after police say he was caught masturbating in Starbucks on May seventh. Lieutenant wait, Benita. Wait. Wait.
0: Masturbating a Starbucks? In, in a Starbucks.
3: Starbucks. Okay. How do you masturbate a Starbucks? He said
0: masturbating a Starbucks. Like an employee? You're going
1: to start a whole thing. Telling me what he said. It's going to start a he whole thing. He said masturbating
0: a Starbucks. Go
1: on. on. On May 7th, Lieutenant Benito Gonzalez, Jr., oh, who's a junior, not right. senior, don't confuse him with Benito Gonzalez, Sr., Go allegedly pulled down his shorts while he was seated at the table inside the coffee store. I don't believe this. And he began apparently trying to put his own foam on his latte. Ew. What? Uh, Did you just make that up? No, I'm reading it. That's it's on the internet So it's that real
0: So not real So he was masturbating Into his coffee cup With oh, foam funny, funny He took the foam no, Off his coffee No not his oh. that's not what he means was trying
1: to make His own foam That's
0: not what he means Masturbating into the coffee That's, that's what he, he was
1: means trying So to, he was making his own cream He was trying to Whip yes. up some cream <gasps> So anyway uh, He was removed The police chief said They were deeply troubled By the allegations So this This is what makes this so funny and relevant to our conversation. The 17-year veteran of the department worked in the narcotics Uh unit. He has a hearing scheduled for June 4th, so we'll be sure to follow that.
3: He probably has
0: an addiction. People, keep your masturbating at home or in private. It's like that guy that we did on... behind a closed door. That
1: headline that we did about the guy that wrecked his car in front of a Starbucks and then took all his clothes off and started masturbating masturbating in in the the street. street. What is it about Starbucks? I don't
3: understand. If you're going to publicly masturbate, do it where you won't get caught.
2: What kind of roast is that? Yeah, that's
3: not publicly masturbating, then, if you're not going to get caught. Depends on how you do it.
2: Yeah, the whole thought of getting caught, right?
3: That's the excitement. I don't I, do it, but I'm just saying. If thing. I did...
2: That's what you've that's heard. That's a whole other show, right? I want to yeah. be on that show. So, All right. <laughs>
0: A can show we? about masturbating? Yeah, we can oh, do one of those. We, uh, okay.
1: We can do one of those. All will right. you bring a box of dildos?
3: I will bring everything that I have. No, okay. don't. I don't want to okay. see In your what mini van. No, we had no. that was no. on our <laughs> very first show. Didn't we bring out a bag
1: <laughs> of tricks? I will. Bring we bring did after the show. After we brought oh, it after the show, <laughs> after we brought it. Okay. What else you got? Any other headlines? So I'm going to bring it up. So here's a funny story. New York, keeping it up north a new york man we don't do
0: you any of these things in the south by the way no
1: right. cuz it's, it's the dirty south. south we're di- yeah we just drive around with boxes of dildos in the back of our vehicles that tenales. was the,
3: that was up north
1: oh there you <laughs> not go not north north but go on. maryland
3: north of the mason Dixon maryland maryland maryland, um, maryland. Um, No, not so
1: so anyway a new york man stole a bread truck and guess what he did
3: masturbated Masturbate. into the bread <laughs> richard what <Ew>. do you <laughs> think what do you think richard <laughs>
2: Yeah, I'm thinking he, masturbated he made some hot butter. Heather, what do you think he okay, did?
3: Okay, he stole a, bit, a bread
0: truck and went to one of those all-night porn shops and watched a dirty video for 25 cents. You That's guys really are boring. all
1: <laughs> filthy, and I'm ashamed to know you. The man Please, stole. Butter. The man the stole the bread truck, and then he made the deliveries butter. He did not. He, he made did. Butter. It's on the why? internet. Why I swear. Bother, why bother stealing the Obviously, he was a very nice thief. <laughs> bored. So a man stole a New York City bread truck and began delivering loaves of savory baked goods to random businesses.
3: Okay, that's a boring story. Can we move on to the next one, I think that might be it.
1: Is that it? That was it. That was it. You ended ended with a bread
3: man delivering bread to people at businesses.
1: I did, you pervert. You can come back for the (laughs) dildo show or the (laughs) masturbation show. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> On our next episode Megan will be doing Her audition <laughs> Megan will
0: be auditioning For the strip club And showing us her dildos It's
1: gonna be like American Idol We're just gonna call it Doing it stripper Oh my god and we, can we can it film it, it. Blur Again.
0: out your face <laughs> Yes please Because
3: god
1: <laughs> We're not blurring out her face We're not filming it Yeah we you are can, You
3: can blur out my body You can keep my keep face. Your face My face I like It's the rest of it That you have to blur We won't
1: <sighs> We won't film it Yes we will three weeks in advance Three weeks
0: Oh, um, this was fun.
2: Late like was,
1: no. <laughs> uh, right.
0: You were actually
3: on time.
1: You're right. on time. This
0: was a lot of fun, you guys. Thank it you w- for joining us. For yes, thank you for joining us. It was awesome. Yeah, we could we'll, talk about this for days.
1: We sh- yeah. We'll do a follow up show and we'll have yeah, you back great. and we'll, 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 we'll talk about hospice. hospice care. We'll have we uh, a show about I think hospice, hospice care. We better
3: do a quick rest stop. I'm going to start forgetting actually how to be a nurse soon. <laughs> You'll never forget. <laughs> I'm going to forget. You won't forget your stories. No, not my stories, but.
1: You yeah. won't forget about being a nurse and you won't forget about that stripper audition. Nope. I know, because
3: right. I still am going to be a stripper. Gonna be I was totally going to be a stripper. All right. Oh, on that Sorry, note, Mom, if you listen to
1: on this. On that, right? Let's, Thank you. let's go Wish out to the strip we need clubs. Douche. Let's douche. douche. Everybody douche. douche. Oh. Thank you. Oh, Richard's empty. Oh, oh Gabriel's empty. Oh, oh, Megan's not empty.
0: And I'm not empty. You're Thank you, you guys empty. very much. Thank this you. All right. Let's get out of here. All right. See you next time.
2: Bye. Bye. Later.
0: to the sky just find